Okay, welcome to episode 67, and I have Dr. Michael Belkowski. He's the founder and CEO of BioLite. We discuss how he started out as a physical therapist and started to see some uh, cracks in the process and, and the modalities used to make people well. And he started his research and started looking into a variety of things that we discuss in this episode, such as HBOT, cupping, um, and a number of others, and it eventually, and dry needling, and it eventually evolved to the creation of BioLite, which is using red light as a healing method. And we go into the long list of supportive ways that red light therapy can help. It's not just inflammation or cosmetic uh, with the skin, but it can do a whole lot more supporting that key ingredient in your body, which is the mitochondria. So listen in, please share far and wide and give red light a chance. So uh, check out biolight.shop and you can learn more after this. Thanks again. Be rested, be well. Hey, one more thing before we jump into the episode. I'd like to invite you to the Biohacking Congress event in Miami, October 16th and 17th. You can get 50% off tickets for on-site or live streaming with the promo code HACK50. And uh, the website is biohackingcongress.com. It's going to be a life-changing weekend with more than 25 famous speakers in biohacking and health companies across the globe covering ecological projects, digital health devices, and solutions for your health optimization. I will be there in October uh, expecting to learn a ton, and one of those individuals is the next guest, Dr. Mike Belkowski, and I'll turn it over to that conversation. Thanks. Remember, Hack50, H-A-C-K-50, at the Biohacking Congress event, October 16th and 17th. All right. Well, welcome to another episode of the Rest and Recovery Podcast. With me is Dr. Michael Belkowski. He's the founder and CEO of BioLite, and we will get into BioLite, what they do, and the importance of the technology behind it. So, Dr. Michael, welcome. Scott, I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, I look forward to uh, digging into this, um, uh, basically red light, what this is, and uh, the importance of it. Uh, it's just not mood mood lighting. But uh, there's some medicinal benefit to it, and um, so how did you get? How do you go? Uh, or really, background? What kind of doctor are you? And then how did you evolve into starting BioLite? Yeah, good question. So the origin story, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I am. Uh, my day job is uh, physical therapist. So I got my doctorate in uh, physical therapy in 2016 from the University of Montana, um, and I still live in Montana, born and raised, and. Uh, I got my first job out of PT school, you know, a couple months after at a local um, outpatient PT clinic. And it really didn't take too long for the, you know, allopathic traditional PT model to not sit right with me for a multitude of reasons. Um, namely, the way that you treat is dictated by insurances, because if you're a clinic owner, you're going to ask your, um, your PTs or uh, whatever clinicians, type of clinicians you are to kind of treat, you're going to nudge your physicians to treat in a certain way because you're going to get reimbursed more as a clinic. So even if one treatment might may work better, but it doesn't get reimbursed or it's just a lower reimbursement, well, you may be nudged to treat a different way because again, you're going to get reimbursed more. And as a clinic, you run foot traffic and you run on money. So I knew that there were 
um, a handful of treatments that were quite effective and quite efficacious uh, that I wasn't really as um, able to use as much as I would like, because again, I was told or, or nudged to treat in a certain way. And coincidentally, I took a, uh, my first certification course after PT school, physical therapy school in dry needling, which you learn close okay. to nothing about in PT school. But I just thought the concept of uh, sticking people with needles and getting therapeutic benefits was pretty darn cool. So um, <laughs> I really didn't know how powerful it actually would be until I took that course. And short, uh, long story short, I was blown away at how much you can treat, how quickly you get results. And the results are real. They're just not a, a band-aid for the situation. Okay. As I'm taking that course, I'm like, how come more people don't know about dry needling? And in a nutshell, dry needling significantly reduces inflammation, improves circulation. So you can really almost instantaneously change people's pain because of those two mechanisms. And, and that's a key point here in a second when we talk about red light therapy. So taking that course, we, me with my entrepreneurial mindset, I'm like, why aren't more people using dry needling if it works this well? Right. And I think it's because it works so well that you see people a fraction of the time that you would typically because it works so well. So if you're, again, if you're an outpatient clinic owner, you're going to see a lot less foot traffic because dry needling works so well. Instead of seeing someone for a month or two, you may see someone one or two treatment sessions, which is what I do typically uh, with the patients I see with their pain. So I left that clinic, started my own cash-based PT clinic, cash-based because then I'm not dealing with insurances directly. And so then uh, insurances can't dictate how I treat my patients. As long as I'm treating within the scope of practice, I'm not doing anything uh, um, you know, outside of the PT scope, you know, then I'm good. And so I opened my own PT practice in Missoula and I quickly had to kind of... Um, be unique with my treatments, but effective and efficacious because Missoula is just inundated with PT practices. Um, so dry needling was the first one. And then I picked up cupping. Eventually I picked up blood flow restriction training. And then uh, last year I picked up hyperbaric oxygen therapy. So I guess you could say my treatment approach in general with, with physical therapy is quite holistic compared to the rest. Yeah. And that whole story, while it was kind of long, is important because as I was trying to read and learn about some more effective and efficacious treatments for my patients, I came upon red light therapy, or as I'm reading books and I'm getting them off Amazon, it was suggested to me that I look at this book called red light therapy. And it had tons of reviews and it was five stars. And I think it showed up a couple of times before I pulled the trigger. Cause I'm like, red light therapy. Are you kidding me? I'd heard about it on, you know, like the Ben Green Greenfield podcast multiple times with Juve and all that. And it was interesting when he talked about it, but I didn't really think much of it or like that I would use it. But anyway, got the book, read it. And immediately there was the aha connection because the book explains uh, the many different mechanisms of how red light therapy works. And namely, it reduces inflammation, improves circulation, just like dry needling. And maybe it's not as instantaneous as dry needling, but it does work when used appropriately. And of course, red light therapy is very uh, safe non-invasive. You can do it in the comfort of your home. And so as I was reading through the mechanisms of how red light therapy works, and then the second half of the book is basically research on how it helps with skin health and hair health and, and sleep and thyroid health and athletic performance and fat loss and pain. I was highly intrigued. Um, again, it was like, if this thing, you know, red light therapy works this well, how come more people don't know about it? Yeah. So that's the question, right? Yeah. 
and I think still it's very unknown. I mean, it's it's grown a lot in the last you know two, three, four years. But even still, uh, to the layperson, they're not going to know what red light therapy is. And the hope and dream is that eventually it becomes more and more common day um, because of what it, it can accomplish. But uh, again, so I saw, I read that book, was blown away, looked at the market, and I thought to myself, well, there's the really cheap products like on Amazon that are probably going to get you cheaper results. Who knows what the safety specs are? And then on the other side of the spectrum, you have very expensive products. Do they justify the price? How are common people going to be able to you know, invest in this awesome piece of technology? So I saw in my mind that there was this massive gap of if there was someone that could come in and provide a high quality product for a more affordable price, I felt like the demand could be pretty darn high. And so in early 2019, uh, that's when I kind of pulled the trigger and started BioLite. And okay. it was slow going at first, but uh, really the past, you know, 10 months now or so, it's kind of gone exponential and parabolic and um, things have really been starting to take off for, for my company. That's awesome. So I, I appreciate the, the backstory because, you know, like our health, it's all building blocks, right? And things are, and the other thing is from a health perspective and as a body, we're a system. So there's going to be different things that complement or kind of complete that sphere of like the, the health wheel, I'll call it. So with the red light, so what you mentioned a bunch of options. And so how is it that this light is and not getting too deep, but helping all these different things? Like how does it help inflammation specifically? Yeah, that's a good question because when you start talking about all the different ways that red light therapy can help, it does start to sound like a snake oil pitch. Yeah. Um, but when you understand the science, then it's like, ah, I can see how it can. And that's because Red light therapy, red and near infrared light, um, those two spectra encompass red light therapy. So red is visible. It's that red light that you see. Near infrared is literally invisible to us. Uh, it's invisible, but it penetrates deeper. And we'll get into that in a second. But the reason why it works for so many different things is because it positively affects this organelle that's in every single cell in our body, except for red blood cells. And that's the mitochondria. Mm -hmm. People probably heard about this back in science, maybe in elementary or middle school or high school, and it was taught as the powerhouse of the cells. It produces energy. It produces ATP, which is that token of energy. But the research in science the past you know, five to 10 years, let's say, has really shown that the mitochondria actually uh, dictate our overall health and longevity, meaning the healthier you can keep your mitochondria uh, not only potentially the longer you'll live, but the higher quality of life you have, the more vitality you'll have, especially in your later years. And on the flip side, the more dysfunctional your mitochondria are, the more likely you are to um, come down with some sort of disease or cancer, or you're just going to age quicker. Okay. And that's, um, uh, that's not even a question anymore. That's, that's thoroughly proven in the research. So if you have mitochondria in every single cell, except for red blood cells, and red light therapy affects the mitochondria, then we can start to understand how red light therapy can affect hair health and skin health and the thyroid and all of our organs. And understanding that the mitochondria produce energy, uh, it makes sense that the mitochondria will be most dense in tissues that are energy, uh, that require a lot of energy, such as our brain, muscles, heart, and our eyes. And it's no coincidence that those um, tissues respond 
uh, most effectively with the proper dosage to red light therapy. So in a nutshell, that's how you're able to treat the root cause of so many uh, diseases and health and wellness issues is because they really start in the mitochondria. And the top researcher, a mitochondrial researcher in the world, Dr. Doug Wallace, has proven that about 80% of today's modern um, diseases and health maladies are due to dysfunctional mitochondria. 80%? So 80%. And um, yeah, so again, he's proven that through his science and through other people's research. So that leaves us uh, with 20%, which is potentially genetics or, you know, other things out of, you know, quote unquote, out of our control. But that should be a pretty liberating um, concept or a piece of information because that tells us 80% of our health and longevity is really within uh, our, our uh, daily health habits and whatnot. Like we determine through our epigenetics, our overall health and longevity by now, optimizing the health of the mitochondria. So we're basically more empowered than, than yes. we're leading to believe. And it sounds like, not to oversimplify, but mitochondria is like, if you're going to pick one thing to focus on, that would be it. I mean, the more people I talk to and the more people I interview, especially in the biohacking sphere and longevity sphere. Um, and again, I don't want to be myopic. I don't want to say it's the end all be all because who knows what kind of research is going to come out in the next five to 10 years. Sure. But with the information we have now, yes, the mitochondria seems to be the foundation and the root of all uh, uh, health maladies and or um, um, optimized health. Yeah. Cause I'll, I'll tell you like a year and a half now doing this roughly and red light was an early awareness. A friend has a recovery lounge that has a lot of the modalities you mentioned and, um, always heard the, the more of the cosmetic side of things, hair and skin. And at first you're thinking, okay, that's more aesthetic, but having healthy skin and hair is also an outward expression. I think of health as well that's going on deep inside is that a fair statement i would think so yeah i mean you can probably look at people's skin and that tells you how their internals are doing to a certain degree right definitely yeah uh so what are so when it comes to building those products and the red light i mean do does does the density of the the bulbs or the size of the bulbs or impact um i guess the prescription or the, the use case yeah, there's a lot of things to take into consideration. The first one is probably light irradiance, which is kind of a, a fancy term for light power, meaning how many, uh, how much energy is one LED putting out. So if you're going to invest in a product, you definitely want it to be a, above 100 milliwatts per centimeter squared. That's the, that's the label on it. Uh, and if you can get upwards of 125 or even 150, that means you're probably going to get better light penetration which only matters if you're trying to treat, let's say the brain or deep in the joints and the bone where the light has to pass through all those tissues. It has to pass through the skin and the subcutaneous fat, and then other, uh, other layers of tendons and whatnot. So if your target tissue is like the brain, it has to go through that skull too, or it has to go through that hair. Right. So in the end, if you're treating those deep tissues, there's a very small fraction of that light that's actually getting to those tissues. So that's where the higher light irradiance would be important. But if you only really care about, let's say, the superficial skin and tissues that aren't that deep, then that's not as important. But again, you want to have at least 100 as a starting point. Um, 
to your point, the density of the bulbs, or like how close the bulbs are together. Um, sure, that, that plays a role, but you also need to know what the uh, lens beam angle is. Uh, a lot of people have, or a lot of companies have it at 60 degrees, which means the light spreads quicker. So you lose the power quicker as well. Okay. The benefit is if you're really close to the panel, you're going to um, more thoroughly cover your body. But again, if you're stepping further back, let's say if you have a, a smaller panel and you want to treat a larger portion, so you stand back to allow the light to spread, you're going to lose a lot more of that light irradiance quicker versus a panel that has, um, like BioLight does, we use 30 degree lens, which means the, um, the light is much more focused and uh, more dense, which, I mean, you could argue if you're closer, you're just getting, you know, little dots on your body. And, but as you stand further back, the light spreads and you don't lose as much light irradiance. So you're still able to cover more of your body without sacrificing light power. So you can go either way with that, depending on what you're trying to treat. But again, those are a couple of things you want to be aware of is, is the light irradiance. Look into the lens beam angle. And then for safety specs, you want to check out the EMF emission because there are some companies that use uh, Wi-Fi and Bluetooth, which still perplexes me today uh, because it's like taking two steps forward, one step back in the sense you're trying to help prom promote health with this product. But if the person's close to your, your device, they're getting inundated with this high EMF. So again, it's like the, the pros probably, they do outweigh the cons, but again, why include that if you don't need to? Right. So check out EMF emission. And if they don't list it, that means they're probably not taking it into consideration and or they don't want to tell you. And then secondly, uh, light flicker, which is kind of a newer safety spec. And I don't believe anyone else is doing this, but BioLight, we were the first one to take this into consideration. And so you want the light flicker as low as possible. And the light flicker is um, imperceptible to the naked eye, just like our TV screens, our, our laptops, our cell phones that has very high light flicker or fluorescent lights. Ask anyone that works in an office, they probably get, uh, they may get headaches, migraines, fatigued quicker, the light concentrations lower, but yeah. it's that uh, high light flicker that our, our eye does perceive. We don't um, with our naked eye, but it sends a mixed message to our, our brain because we're used to looking at the, the full spectrum sunlight. You know, if we're talking a uh, hundred years ago or before Edison developed the light bulb and the, the full spectrum sunlight doesn't have a flicker. So when we interact with this quote unquote fake light that does have high light flicker, we're sending really confused messages to our brain, which leads to these mood disorders and headaches and migraines and eye strain and, and lack of concentration. So, so again, so like a micro um, strobe light. I so, mean, yeah, so very, very high flicker. And we're talking, um, like 40, 40 or 60 Hertz light flicker, which would be like 40 or 60 flickers per second. If that makes sense, upwards of a hundred. Okay. So with our panels, we we've gotten it down to about one or two Hertz. And again, you're not going to perceive that, but if you are um, exposing yourself and your body on a regular basis to your red light therapy device, why expose yourself to more light flicker than you need to? So, sure. so that's just another safety spec to consider. So when it comes to the dosing, so to speak, it, is is this like a brush your teeth methodology? Like it's something that you're going to get the most optimal with consistent use? Uh, uh, yes. And it, kind of a loaded question in the sense that it depends on what you're trying to treat. Okay. If you're doing a general health and wellness, you feel like you're healthy, but you just kind of want to keep your mitochondria optimized, keep your energy levels uh, uh, up there. Then yeah, using it on a, on a regular basis is best. 
but that doesn't mean you have to use it every single day. And that doesn't mean that more is better. And that's something I kind of harp on with my education and in the ebook that I provide is just like with everything, there's a biphasic dose response, meaning kind of like an inverse uh, or, a, or a bell curve where on the left side of the bell curve, you have dosages that are too low. So if the dosage is too low, again, you're not going to realize those benefits you're going for. But what most people are on when they are using red light therapy is they're on the right side, meaning their dosage is too high because we get in this mentality that more is better. Right. If 10 minutes does this, then 20 minutes must be better. And then if I do 20, well, 30 must be better. And if I'm doing a once a day, maybe I should do it twice a day. And so uh, that's thoroughly proven again in the research that, that more is not better. And you want to get right in the middle or at least in between on that bell curve and finding the right dosage, which is actually less than people would think. And the dosage differs depending on what you're treating. So let's say you're doing treating pain. You would probably do somewhere between eight to 10 minutes with, with red and near infrared light, let's say about six inches away from the panel um, versus skin health. Let's say you're doing anti-aging skin. You would do red light only closer to 15 to 18 inches away for two to three minutes. Um, okay. So you can see just between those two examples, the protocol is completely different. So it does behoove people to kind of fine tune the protocols if they're trying to treat, let's say thyroid health, or if they're trying to treat hair health or so you get the point that um, the science is showing that, that there are different protocols depending on what you're trying to treat. But to your point, I think with just general health and wellness, yeah, semi consistently using red light therapy, maybe three to four to five times a week, um, on a consistent basis, you will realize some pretty nice benefits. Okay. So you mentioned thyroid a couple of times as one of the, the key things. And it seems like, um, even from my own walk recently, some semblance of hypothyroidism, um, you know, thyroid is being discussed a lot, adrenal fatigue, things of that nature. So how does, how does red light impact that as type of challenge with the thyroid? Well, it's funny. Um, I just interviewed Dr. Carrie Jones yesterday and the oh. hormone specialist and she she explained to me why uh, adrenal fatigue really isn't a thing. Like the adrenals don't get fatigued. It's just that they send out so much cortisol that eventually the body stops uh, uh, reacting to that cortisol. So it's not that the adrenal is literally fatigued. It's just that this negative feedback loop gets inhibited because your cortisol is just so um, rampant, kind of like when you have high blood glucose, you become um, insulin um, resistant. So Okay. Yeah. But, but in a nutshell, it really does come down again to the mitochondria. If you have a thyroid problem within that organ, the thyroid, you have dysfunctional mitochondria. So then your organ is not uh, working properly. And I think in the research, it shows that uh, with proper dosages of red light therapy, you can reduce the antibody that's leading to this Hashimoto's or this hypothyroidism. And it's one of the few, if only treatments, uh, red light therapy, that reverses this hypothyroidism to the point that people can significantly reduce their medications, if not get completely off of them. So oh, it's wow. pretty profound, you know, what you can do with light. And again, it's non-invasive, very safe, low risk, high reward. So even with something as um, staunch and stubborn as, you know, Hashimoto's or hypothyroidism, red light therapy seems to do uh, quite a bit. Yeah. And the other thing that, that, that's fascinating to know. I mean, it, what's neat about the red light to me as well is you can kind of habit stack other things because it's such a 
call it a passive treatment, it seems like. Yeah. So a lot of people and myself, um, you can take that time to also do some breathing exercises or listening to a podcast or, or book or do meditation or some people, you know, do yoga or um, I have it set up in front of my stationary bikes. So whenever I'm on the bike, I get some red light therapy as well to, to get some augmented benefits there. So yeah, there's a lot of ways to utilize red light therapy as you're doing something else. And like you're saying to stack it or yeah. another way to stack it would be to combine, let's say cold exposure and red light therapy and then infrared sauna. So, I mean, and, or hyperbaric, there's a lot of people that use red light therapy, then hyperbaric and get a nice, uh, uh, benefit there. So maybe explain that a little bit. The hyperbaric is one that, um, I've been turned on to, I haven't used it yet, but definitely a, a big interest, but, um, when it comes to stacking those elements, like what, the, what is that positive balance? Um, when stacking those two together? Yeah, yeah. Well, so, I mean, they're completely different treatments. You're getting completely different physiological responses. Uh, red light therapy, like we discussed, is going to reduce inflammation. It's going to cause vasodilation, so you get that improved circulation, optimizing mitochondrial health, whereas hyperbaric you are, I'm not an expert by any means in hyperbaric, but my understanding is that you're able to significantly increase the amount of oxygen in your body, not through the red blood cells, because you and me, we're probably sitting here at an oxygen saturation of anywhere from, you know, 96 to 99. Right. So increasing that by a percent or two is not going to do a whole lot. So the powerful benefit of, of hyperbaric is the pressure infused with the oxygen, whether you're using the ambient oxygen in the air, of like 24% or if you're um, infusing it with more oxygen, it's, it's the pressure that diffuses the oxygen you're breathing in while you're in the chamber into your plasma. And then once the oxygen is in your plasma, it travels all over your body. So that's how you're able to significantly increase that oxygen um, level in your body. And plenty of research showing that every time you get in the hyperbaric, you're boosting your immune system. Um, if you have any blockages, I mean, just think about if you had a concussion when you were three or four, or if you had a big injury, like you broke something, or, um, I've had patients where like they got kicked by their horse, even when they were a kid. So those type of traumatic injuries causes massive vasoconstriction right. to the point that it's not going to open up on its own necessarily, especially concussions or any sort of head trauma. So even people that have had injuries again, when they're kids can jump into hyperbaric when they're in their thirties, forties, or fifties. And those passages, those um, vessels that have been vasoconstricted ever since that injury can now be reopened. So now you're open, opening all of these blocked pathways that have been closed. So you're going to get increased energy. You're going to get increased oxygenation. You're going to get the, uh, uh, the toxins out or the garbage out, which right. a lot of people, when they use hyperbaric for the first time, they may get some detox symptoms because, again, they're opening those pathways that have been closed. So, so by stacking these two type of treatments, you know, hyperbaric and red light therapy or infrared sun and cold exposure, you're, you're just exposing your body to really different types of stresses, hormetic stresses, because that's what light is. It's a hormetic stress. And that's why too much isn't good, but a little bit is great. Right. Just like, uh, um, exercise, alcohol, you know, we can go into a lot of different things where, um, the devil's in the dosage. So, um, but yeah, to your point, stacking these multiple type of health benefits can, can lead to synergistic results. Yeah. Cause like you were saying, they're kind of complementary. like where it seems the H bot kind of drives it deeper and then the red light would start to open it up more. And it's just like a uh, positive compound compounding effect. 
Yeah. And talking or listening to uh, Dr. Jason Somers, he's one of the experts in hyperbaric. I think he has some like hyperbaric facilities in um, New Jersey, I believe. But he was talking about this, I believe it was on a Ben Greenfield podcast a couple of years ago. And this is when I first got into HBOT that, I mean, he wasn't even really sure which one was more beneficial. Do you do red light therapy first, then HBOT, or do you do HBOT first, then red light therapy? And I forget what he said, uh, what he would do first. I think he said he would do red light therapy first and then hyperbaric, but it's like, as long as you do both, I don't know. Um, and that's something where it's maybe an N equals one experiment where maybe you have yeah. to try both, see how your body responds. And then that that's what works best for you. Yeah. That personalized prescriptive approach yeah. is that, and that, you know, that's an area that, um, kind of along the lines of the beginning where you were talking about the different modalities and, and certain constrictions as to how you can be prescriptive, but we're all individual walking chemistry sets and we're going to respond to the good differently. Yep. Um, and that's how do you address that as a PT? Uh, what do you mean? Like, how do I educate my patients on that? Yeah, yeah. Because it seems like it's a big mindset thing because we've been convinced otherwise for so long. As far as like you're, everyone's supposed to get the same yeah. uh, response. One size fits all mentality. Well, I think it's, you'd be surprised how uh, um, knowledgeable the patients are that, that they understand that they're life circumstances and what they've put their body or mind through is completely different from anyone else. So, um, especially with dry needling, they understand, um, after I educate them that they, based on what they've told me, you know, with that thorough examination and whatnot and their, their past history, I tell them what I anticipate, but that it's not a, a guarantee, but this is just based on my experience. This is what I think will happen based on your injury or, or what you have going on. Same with hyperbaric. This is what the research shows. This is what I think will happen, but nothing's guaranteed, of course, with any of these sure. treatments. And it really just depends on how motivated the patient is, meaning are they going to do just one treatment and hope for the miracle, like one treatment fix? Or are they going to, you know, are they um, invested, not financially, but into their improving their health where they're willing to give it multiple, multiple treatments? especially with hyperbaric because, um, well, it's like you can use it for athletic performance, you know, or recovery or, um, post-concussion, you know, get in there as soon as you can. It's going to take multiple treatments and people don't want to realize those stem cell benefits of, of hyperbaric. It takes 30 to 40 treatments relatively close together to where you're significantly increasing the endogenous production of stem cells. Okay. Which is pretty darn powerful in itself for, for repair and growth. But um, yeah, I just tell patients what to expect based on my experience, based on with similar patients, but you'd be surprised that um, they're not so staunch or expecting the exact results that, that have been touted, let's say. So this is the uh, rest and recovery podcast. So yeah. how does red light support that aspect of, the physiology, maybe specifically on sleep. Yeah. So with sleep, there isn't, let's say, uh, as much research right now, at least compared to pain or skin, um, or even thyroid. I think as time goes on, we'll get more and more, but currently there's, there's research showing that it can help normalize your circadian rhythm, or it can help with melatonin production and not in the classical way necessarily, because, uh, I think most people believe or have learned that our melatonin is produced in our brain, specifically the pineal gland, which is true, but the research shows that 
melatonin production is actually widespread in multiple, multiple organs in our body, including our thyroid, our thymus, spleen, skin, the gut. Uh, the point being with whole body or full body red light therapy or full body light irradiation, you're going to stimulate all those different organs that also complement melatonin production. Thus, that's how red light seems to help because it would take a real, it would take a laser to get to that pineal gland and really stimulate that melatonin production. You probably get some with it going in your eye, right, but right. it's getting these other organs, the skin, the thymus, the spleen, whatever, uh, the gut, that's going to help boost that melatonin production. And especially if you're using it um, more in the evening, maybe not right before bed, because some people get energized by red light therapy. But if you're using red light therapy instead of blue lit technology, let's say watching TV or being on your phone or your tablet, you're replacing that blue lit technology, which increases your cortisol levels, which um, automatically inhibits your melatonin production. And instead, you're in front of light that is going to um, potentially stimulate melatonin production, which then is going to reduce cortisol levels, which is going to allow you to go to sleep quicker and get into that deep sleep uh, much more effectively. Yeah. And ultimately, I guess as a eventual byproduct, you're kind of circling the brain and then it'll clear out and allow the lymphatic system and your glymphatic system to kind yep. of do what it needs to do. Yep, exactly. It helps with all those processes. Well, um, from a red light perspective, who, who can benefit from, from this? I guess I would say who can't, and I'm not saying that as a, as an owner, but it's objectively, again, going back to the premise and the, in the, um, reason why red light therapy works as far as optimizing the mitochondria being, being the big one and reducing inflammation or modulating inflammation, I should say, um, who couldn't, or who wouldn't want to do that? Given the research that we have now, again, back to Dr. Doug Wallace, the more energy our cells have the more functional our mitochondria are, the less disease you're going to accrue, especially as you get older and older and older. So if your goal is for health and longevity, then it would behoove you to optimize your mitochondria. And that doesn't mean you need a device. You can get red light and near infrared light by going out in the morning when the sun rises, because that's um, where there's a higher uh, a proportion of red and near infrared light. And then as the sun sets, same thing. So those are two ways to get free uh, red and near infrared light. So if you do that on a consistent basis, not only are you going to be getting that red light, but th that's going to be normalizing circadian rhythm. Cause you're going to be out there uh, when the sun rises and the sun sets. Right. Um, but again, to answer your question directly, it's like, if, again, if you're into health and wellness, longevity, uh, um, optimizing your mitochondria is the way to go. Yeah. And I, and kind of to your point, I don't know who wouldn't want to feel better, uh, right. in every day, especially as we age and, you know, I'm not as young as I used to be. <laughs> Uh, so, but I have kids and I want to be there and, and yeah. be able to be there for my grandkids or great grandkids. And that's another thing with red light therapy is the healthier you are, the less you're going to notice with red light therapy as maybe, um, as should make sense, but maybe wouldn't be as, as a parent. Um, because if your mitochondria are already optimized and if your inflammation isn't chronic and rampant, um, and again, you've got good circulation around your body. You're not going to notice like this. Aha. Wow. Red light therapy is amazing because you're already healthy. The right. proof in the pudding is going to be as you consistently use it, you know, week in, week out, month in, month out. Um, and over time comparing yourself, I guess, I guess, to your counterparts or to your, to your colleagues who don't use this type of technology, 
you're going to notice that you're feeling a lot more vibrant and have a lot more vitality and you're just looking healthier, feeling healthier. So that's where yeah. you'll know the difference if you're already kind of optimizing your health. Whereas someone who's got osteoarthritis or they've got a lot of pain because they have systemic inflammation or they're dealing with, uh, let's say, thyroid health or, or an organ issue. Yeah, they're going to notice um, results a lot quicker and it's going to be a lot more obvious because there's more room for improvement. So sure. that's another reason why um, that people may not see the results that have been touted by red light therapy. Again, back to that overdose or the, the biphasic dose response principle where people may be doing too much light, but also if they're doing the correct amount of dosage, their, their health may just be um, that well off that they're not going to see these massive, amazing improvements that have been um, purported, you know, in the red light therapy industry. That's a fair point on, you know, kind of expectation setting. And I guess that goes back to kind of understanding yourself and your own physiology. What's the best methods to kind of help support that context? Are there tests like blood tests, UAs, or things of that nature that kind of determine your mitochondrial health in advance to know if red light is question as far as mitochondrial health specifically, I don't know if that's, uh, if there's a test for that, that's a good question. I'm sure there will be if there hasn't been already to test uh, whether it's mitochondrial uh, vitality or health, shall we say. Also mitochondrial density, because the more dense it is, the healthier you are. Um, because as you get older and you have more and more dysfunctional mitochondria, those get um, just like autophagy. There's mitophagy where dysfunctional mitochondria get eaten up or, or disposed of. But when you have too many dysfunctional mitochondria, that doesn't happen. And that's where you start to see dysfunctional mitochondria replicated or, or copied. And that's really where the disease and aging process comes in is when you have too many dysfunctional mitochondria, those dysfunctional mitochondria get copied and so on and so forth. Um, so to your point, if there was a test that could find not only the health of the mitochondria, but then the density and the quality, that, that would be a test we could um, or that I would look forward to. But otherwise, yeah, you could look at some blood tests that would... Um, look at uh, um, inflammation markers, or if you have like an aura ring or some sort of biometric marker, you can see how your sleep, uh, um, your sleep and like your readiness score, if you're using aura ring, how that changes with consistent use of red light therapy. So there's some things like that, or just objective, how do you feel, which some people are more in tune with their body than others, but um, that may be the most accurate. You know, I did this treatment, how do I feel? Or I've been doing this treatment for two or three weeks, what do I notice that's different, different before I started it? But, but to your point, I'd be excited to see a mitochondria specific test at some point. Yeah. I, I just was thinking about that. Just so right. What you're saying, if I'm oversimplifying, hopefully I catch it. It's really understanding by mitochondrial health would be subjective a little bit and expressed. So through your actions, through your ability to sustain energy and things of that nature and do all the things and wake up refreshed you're probably in a good balanced state. Exactly. When you wake up, how long does it take for you um, to feel energized? Does it take you uh, 10, 20, 30 minutes? Or does it take you uh, two or three hours and three cups of coffee? Right. And then the other side of um, the circadian rhythm, how quickly can you fall asleep without um, melatonin or without CBD oil? Uh, not necessarily that's a bad thing, but again, using your endogenous uh, physiology, again, how quickly do you wake up energized? How quickly can you fall asleep and get into that deep sleep? Yeah. And that's, that's a great point. Even personally pondered, like 
you know, it's great to have some of these naturopathic methods of, you know, melatonin and things, but then it's kind of like, well, my baseline is kind of low and I'm becoming dependent on this. Why is that? And how do I kind of push the line North so that I'm not as dependent on it. And it's more like just the occasional rather than habit creation. Right. And melatonin is kind of a tough one. I don't want to knock it at all because I, I was reminded when I interviewed Dr. Tyler Jean, who's a uh, naturopathic doctor, that there's the anti-inflammatory, antioxidant, anti-tumor, uh, anti-cancer properties of melatonin. So melatonin is not like this bad thing. And right. I asked him when he was in naturopathic school, what did you learn about it? Is it, uh, is it a bad thing to take consistently because uh, with the worry that you may ruin your endogenous production? And his answer was they were learned both and there was no definitive answer. So again, you know, I guess I don't know. I don't know. Cause he, uh, he wasn't taught in naturopathic school. Does taking it consistently wreck your endogenous production or do the benefits that I talked about the anti-inflammatory and so on of, of melatonin, does that make up for it? And is it worth just taking it on a consistent basis with those facts alone? Yeah. Again, I, we need some more research. Um, to be definitive about that. So I think you could argue either way. Yeah. And here's the thing I, I think a little bit, depending on what you're using, right. Cause there are uh, certain pharmaceuticals that are going to have those unintended consequences. Kind of, kind of like you were saying with the EMF, right. You're taking two steps forward and one step back. Cause there's some unintended consequence, but if some of this doesn't have a negative effect, well, it's going to be better than not taking it and feeling horrible all the time. Cause you're never going to have uh, peak performance or just being able to serve in the way you want to serve in your life and the vision you have for being a parent or a friend or spouse or what have you. Exactly. And as, as you well know, and your audience well knows, um, sleep is massively important. So much happens when you're sleeping, when you're getting proper uh, circadian rhythms between, you know, growth and repair, especially with the nervous system. Um, so if you're missing out on that on a consistent basis, that's just a domino effect for every other health aspect in your life. And like you're saying, um, if your purpose is to serve and bring as much value to this world as possible, it behooves you to optimize your circadian rhythm, optimize your rest and recovery so that you're able to do that at your highest level on a consistent basis. Yeah, hundred percent. And, uh, and I think that's at the end, end of the day, that's kind of purpose, right? We're, we're communal or we're, we're relational people. So, um, being able to do that better, yeah, uh, is a heck of a lot more fun too. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> um, well, Michael, you know, we've been chatting for a minute. I appreciate your time. I do like to close with a few uh, personal questions. Nothing too deep, but what are you reading right now? Um, well, I always read like three or four books at the same time, which I don't know if that's productive or not, but they're quite <laughs> different. Um, I forget the name of it because it's such a long name but it's, a, it's a, a small research book that has to do with how light affects um, your eyes and your metabolism. And it's back from like the 1950s by F. Uh, 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 Fritz Hollowich. It's amazing. I'm literally going to do an, a podcast episode on that book because um, the implications of light and how it affects every process, your hormones, your, your energy, it's amazing. And so I'm reading that book. Um, Regenerate by Sire G, another book called Ask and It Is Given. That's more of like a personal growth uh, book. And then, um, well, I think those are the big three right now. Okay. 
And then I'm always digging through the photobiomodulation research. So I guess you could call that uh, reading. <laughs> <laughs> well, real quick, file photobiomodulation. Is that like the, the, the science term of red light? Exactly. Photobiomodulation. So like photo, light, bio, biology, modulating, changing. So changing your biology with light. Okay. Uh, what are you listening to right now, be it music or podcast? <laughs> music, man. Um, well, podcasts, it's always been Ben Greenfield. I don't listen to many others. Um, and I even go through ebbs and flows if I even listen to podcasts or not. Sometimes I just crush them and sometimes I'll go a month or two without them. But sure. typically it's Ben Greenfield. And then uh, music, I'm kind of into like uh, uh, Kygo and chain smokers but in the morning when i'm when i'm um hanging out with my puppy or making coffee and doing my reading i'll be listening to beethoven and bach and mozart and vivaldi because i grew up as a uh a classical violin player so um oh, that's okay. so i feel like that's a good way to wake up and then when i need to work um i listen to my pump up music if you will yeah maybe a little metallic in there for the get ready <laughs> there you go <laughs> as a hockey player that was playing in the locker rooms all the time i'm sure it was i'm sure it was um Last one, but what is your go-to rest and recovery method? Well, it's not one. It's it's just my daily habits. And so when I wake up in the morning, I go outside barefoot. Um, so I'm either standing or, or, or cross-legged on the ground watching the sunrise uh, with my puppy. So I do that for anywhere from 10 to 30 minutes. Um, so that helps just wake me up, normalize my circadian rhythm. In the winter, I'll be using a uh, sauna that I have, a barrel sauna outside my house here. In the summer, it's not as appetizing. Um, <laughs> then, you know, from fall through spring, I'll get out. I'm, I live right close to a river, so I'll get out, do some cold plunges. When I first started, it was close 10 to 15 seconds, seconds, but now I can do several minutes up, up to my neck in this ice cold river. Oh, wow. I'll implement that. Then, of course, red light therapy, depending on uh, what's going on. I haven't really needed to treat any health conditions or uh, very few pain, um, aches and pains, but I just do it regularly on a consistent basis, much more in the winter. Cause here in Montana, it's gloomy. Whereas in the summer I get my, uh, sunlight from the full spectrum, uh, sun. So I utilize those. And then my hyperbaric chamber, which I have in my home office here. So I have access to that. I'll do that anywhere from two to uh, four times a week, like 60 or 90 minute sessions. Nice. Um, I have my, I have my diet pretty fine tuned. I do intermittent fasting. Sometimes I'll do a one or two day water fast. So yeah, stuff like that. And then um, one that I've been working on the most the past year or two has been kind of that meditation or mindfulness or just getting more into my inner inner light, if you will. So that's probably the one that needs the most work and the most consistency. Um, but it really has made a difference. And I do uh, appreciate the changes I've noticed really in a short period of time by by digging into meditation and, and mindfulness practice or gratitude practice. Awesome. Well, it sounds like you definitely have a full stack. Uh, of options and variations. Yeah. I mean, it, it, the mindset piece is newer to me. I know for a long time, it was kind of my mindset around mindset was kind of like, Oh, this is hokey, yeah. but th there's a lot to be said with, you know, that affirmation conversation with yourself and the ability to just kind of, you know, turn off the engine. It, it's almost like, um, you know, we leave the car not running in place, but like a light is on internally. If, and if we don't manage that, we're going to drain ourselves. And the mental aspect has a lot to do that. Well, and especially being an entrepreneur, it's like you're always on the go, go, go. You can't ever turn it off because there's always something to do or 10 things to do. 
So being able to, yeah, literally, you know, just set some time aside, quiet your mind. And it's incredible, whether it's research or, um, you know, belief from all these different experts, if you can connect with the quantum field, which is still tough for my mind to wrap around, or if you're able to send out these positive vibrations or positive, um, positive energy, what that does. So you can, you're always sending out energy from your mind, from your thoughts constantly, and they can either be positive or negative, and you're going to get what you send out in return. So flipping your mindset, um, cause again, being an entrepreneur, you're always on the grind and it's easy to get in this, um, perseverative negative mindset, which just yeah. feeds upon itself. So why not flip the script and have that positive mindset and let that, um, be your, your new, um, you know, wheel of motion, if you will, in your mind. And it's amazing yeah. what you can manifest and what comes um, simply from, from that change. Yeah. It's that simple principle of you reap what you sow. And I don't think I've ever really thought about it from a mindset perspective. You always think about it from, or at least I have from a doing right. An yep. activity. Well, yep. it could be your conversation, especially the one with yourself because you can't get away from it. So. Yep. Agreed. Well, Dr. Michael, I've, Appreciate your time, expertise, and uh, yeah, look forward to meeting you out in the Biohacking Congress uh, in October. Yeah, that's going to be a fun one. Um, yeah, my company, BioLight's a platinum sponsor. And so with that, I'll be given a 40-minute presentation on, on red light therapy. So I hope that I'll be, be able to bring some newer cutting-edge information and also, you know, just, just some um, classic information on red light therapy to help people learn about it and um, expose the potential if people aren't uh, using it already. Yeah, that's awesome. And real quick, how can folks find you? Yeah. Uh, so my company is biolight.shop. That's, um, you know, dot S H O P. Um, that's both the website and the Instagram handle. If you want to reach out to me, email or direct message through Instagram works, but also email, which is info at biolight.shop. And I'm pretty responsive, happy to answer questions. And that's one of my missions with biolight is you know, not just to be a capitalist and sell stuff, but I, I am um, genuinely um, energized by helping people understand and by educating. So that's one of my main missions with BioLite is just to help educate whether you buy my product or not. That's not, that's not necessarily the main point. It's educating people on the power of red light therapy and kind of opening their mind to, um, like you and I have been talking about, being your own best advocate with your health, taking health into your own hands. And red light therapy can be one of those things that could probably help you um, along your health journey. Yeah. Awesome. I appreciate the mission and uh, thank you again for, for joining. Thank you so much for listening in to my conversation with Dr. Mike Belkowski and trust you got a lot out of it. Please share, rate, and review. Uh, all of those things help get the word out, whether it's this episode or the previous 66 um, the goal and mission here is to educate, equip, and empower those with the tools to live this one life well. And so I uh, believe red light is one of those great options. And um, again, trust you got a lot out of it. So again, share far and wide. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, be rested, be well.